Good morning, Moran Park. My name is Dave and uh, one of the pastors here, and I have invited Helen Booby to share a little testimony that she heard this week. Uh, Helen uh, takes care of our care and support uh, side of things here at Moran Park Church, and so she has a, an amazing testimony to share. Is this on? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, once again, my name is Helen. I work in the care and support office here. I work with a team of the deacons of care, and our job is to just meet with people who are in crisis or they just have something going on in their life. And um, spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, we just meet with them, listen to them, and follow God's um, prompting. So this week I followed up with two different people, and um, the stories they shared with me uh, just overwhelmed me with how God was just moving and um, within everybody here in the body. And so what happened was both of them shared that complete strangers had approached them in two different regards and just said, the Lord said, what do you need? Don't know the person. Um, and then what developed was friendships and um, blessings because their lives were obedience. Um, one person um, actually met a stranger and um, took interest in his life um, the chance meeting evolved over time, and the two became involved, and um, the gentleman just followed the Lord's direction. I spoke with him this week, and he just said, my wife and I, God told us to do it, so we just did. Um, eventually, that man came here to Moran Park, and the really cool thing was he said, I can tell everybody here wants to be here. He was raised in a Catholic church, and he says, when you go to church there, it's obligation and requirement. Um, he could just tell that. So I was encouraged with both these stories. At time, my role here can be, um, I just don't have a lot of formal volunteers or people willing to step into the lives, um, but my desire for list and structure that aren't in place, and then I hear these stories, um, and what's happening is what my heart's desire has been. Um, it's beautiful, unscripted, and undirected. So um, this morning, God directed me to Ephesians 5. Um, as a reminder that if we know God and his ways were to make most of every opportunity, our actions are not to be thoughtless, but to seek and understand what the Lord wants you to do and just do it. Um, people at Moran Park are doing this. I'm so encouraged, and my hope that everyone will continue to follow the Spirit's leading. Have courage to step into what you hear God telling you to do, even if it doesn't make sense. Um, that may mean inviting the person next to you to lunch after church or coffee during the week. It may be stepping into the life of a family that needs rest and providing that. It may be sharing your story of God and his faithfulness in a difficult time in your life to encourage them. Um, we really try hard here not to have structured programs and um, fill the space with marked off to-do lists. Um, we only want to do what the Lord tells us and continue to live that out. If you have the desire to be available to someone who may enter um, in my office or um, someone on staff, let me know and I can connect you. Otherwise, continue to do what you're doing. Follow the Lord's spirit and his prompting um, and just do it. So, Awesome. Praise God. I love that, that verse that Helen shared. And just after that, it says, uh, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. And I, I love that, that testimony just of people who are, are following the Spirit's leading in their life. And I think sometimes uh, we make Christianity to be, or following Jesus to be a lot complica more complicated than it actually is. You know, here's just a picture of, of people following the Spirit, following the promptings on their heart, following the Lord wherever He may lead. Look at uh, Romans 8. 
And I uh, quoted uh, when I was praying from the first part of uh, Romans 8, but uh, halfway down in Romans 8, actually in verse 10, it says this, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Look at that. Paul is saying the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. How often do you think about that? How often do you realize and think, if you're a follower of Jesus, Scripture says, and it's not just a nice saying to pump us up, but it's reality, it says that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive in you. Last Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection. We celebrated Jesus walking out of that tomb after three days being in the tomb. And the same spirit that breathed life into his body, the same spirit that that strengthened his muscles, the same spirit that caused him to just walk out victorious, the same spirit, Scripture says, that was in him is in you. I mean, that's powerful. I, I think about that reality. The God of the universe, the God who has always been, the spirit that existed from the very beginning of time is right now in you as a follower of Jesus. How does that make you feel? How does that even make you feel when uh, people start talking about the Holy Spirit? When people talk about the the spirit leading them and do this or or do that, how does that make you feel? Maybe you uh, grew up in a a tradition that didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. Maybe uh, you're like, that's confusing. Maybe you've had some weird experiences uh, with uh, people who said that they were following the spirit. Maybe there's some fear. Maybe there's some worry. Maybe there's a lot of different feelings when it comes to the things of the spirit. And I know that is real because that is how I felt when I was first exposed to things of the Spirit. I did not grow up in a tradition in a church like Moran Park. I grew up in California, and actually, my parents, uh, they started to go to church. We started to go to church when I was in sixth grade. And it was kind of this weird uh, situation. All of a sudden, we were not going to church, and we were all of a sudden going to church. And I'm like, what happened to our Sunday mornings and sleeping in and, and watching TV? Where did that go? Now I'm all of a sudden in church, and it was very different than this. I had to wear a tie every Sunday. I had to sit there and be still. I was past candy. And uh, the, the place was full of, uh, of great people who loved the Lord, but their focus was more on God and reverence of God and awe of God. And that is all I heard. I heard a little bit about Jesus and nothing of the Holy Spirit. I went to Sunday school classes where they told me to memorize things, and I did. And I just went through the motions until in college, I gave my life fully to Jesus. And I transitioned from pursuing a career of accounting to uh, being one in ministry, and I gave my heart to the Lord, and I uh, walked with him, and I I was up uh, working at a church on the north side of town, a great church, met a pastor who started to talk about the things of the Spirit. But it was very relational in nature, and I I, I appreciated the conversations, but for many years, even working on the north side of town, I was focused on God, the Father, yes, and Jesus, the Son, but there was little conversation about the Holy Spirit until I met my wife. See, we were talking, and I was sharing with her about my growing up experience, and then she shared with me about her experience and her experience of going to church. And she talked about going to churches where they were actually dependent on the Spirit and crying out for the Spirit to move, and that was all new to me. Even that language was new to me. I'm like, the Holy Spirit, who is that? 
And then she invited me over to her house for dinner to meet her parents and to meet her brother and sisters, and that was quite the experience. And then after dinner, I think somewhere you know, that night, they invited me to a prayer meeting that they had as a family. I'm like, prayer meeting as a family? And they're like, yeah, we hear you can sing and play the guitar, and well, we can't sing and, and play the guitar, so why don't you come, lead us in a little worship, and then we'll have a little prayer meeting. So I went, and it was true they couldn't sing. They still can't sing today, but hey, it's, I love them. But after we sang, I experienced something that I'd never experienced before. I experienced this crying out to the Lord, crying out to the Lord, and not, ex- not just expecting like prayers to go up, but expecting an interaction between God and them through the power of the Holy Spirit. There was someone in the family who was going through a hard time, and they threw him on the ottoman in the middle of the living room, and they just laid hands and prayed. And I remember with my eyes open, just like, what is going on? I had never experienced that before. And it, was, it blew me away. But I was like, okay, is this real? Is this stuff about the Holy Spirit? What they're talking about, is this real? Is this legit? Is this for today? I just didn't want to accept it because I was interested in Cece, even though that was helpful. Like, it caused me to ask more questions. And so I had to search this out myself, and I started to look through the book of Acts. And I, my eyes were open, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, there, is, there it is all throughout the, the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit moving in people's lives, filling people, and, and filling with the Spirit of God, and the miraculous happened. But I looked at it through uh, the book of Acts, but I still needed to, to talk with somebody, even outside of Cece's family. And so I went to a conference, and there I met a man named, by the name of Jack Deere. And he has written a couple books, and a phenomenal guy. And the thing that always scared me about following the Holy Spirit or being, you know, the things of the Spirit, uh, it always scared me because I looked on TV late at night, and I saw people in white suits doing weird things. And I'm like, that's not me. I don't want to do that. And here I met a guy uh, named Jack Deere who was normal who loved scripture. He came out of a background that I came out of, and uh, he just talked normal. He talked about the things of the Spirit, and then all of a sudden he started to pray for people, and things happened. I was blown away. Leaving that conference, I was like, okay, God, I, I, I know this is real. My heart is, is burning. My heart is longing for something more. You're at work in my life. And at that point, I was bummed because I'm like, how, has I, how have I missed it for so many years? I mean, after all, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 14. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples towards the end of his life. And he's comforting them. He's saying, don't let your heart be be troubled. I'm going away to the Father, and I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back. And Thomas pops up, and he says, you know, Lord, where are you going? You know, we don't know how to get there. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Just keep following me, and you'll get there. And then in verse 12 of chapter 14, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus is saying, I'm going away to the Father, but I will still hear you. I will still be in relationship with you. I will still respond. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And then he goes on in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come 
to you. And then verse 26, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. I mean, that's kind of crazy that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to ask the Father and he's going to give you another one, another just like me, the Helper, the one who's going to lead you, the one who's going to guide you. And more than that, he's not only going to dwell with you, he's going to be in you. Now, I can imagine the disciples sitting there going like, what in the world, what is going on? This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We read that today and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. But then Jesus again in John 16 talks a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. And then he says something even crazier. Look at verse 7 of chapter 16. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, just listen to that. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I was the disciples, I'd be like, Jesus, it's not to my advantage that you go away. I like you here in the flesh. I like to see you, to touch you, to be led by you. It's not to our advantage that you go away. But then Jesus says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And then he goes on to say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so in these two passages, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's not introducing another God like, okay, here's another God for you to worship. All, all that he's saying is there's different aspects to God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so he's introducing them to the third part of what we call the Trinity. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's not talking even about some new part of God. In fact, the Holy Spirit has always been around. You go back to Genesis 1, and in the second verse of Genesis 1, it says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. You go a little bit further in Genesis 1:26, and God says when he says uh, he created man, he says, let us create man in our own image. And, there he, and, and when he's talking about us, he's talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And throughout the whole Old Testament, you see moments when the Holy Spirit falls on people and they do miraculous things. The Holy Spirit is not someone new that Jesus is introducing on the scene. It's someone who has always been ar around. He's also not just some mystical being. He is a person. And this is something that is absolutely beautiful that you see in the words of Jesus. When he's introducing the Holy Spirit, he's not introducing someone who's just kind of mystical floating out there. He's introducing a person who says he will guide you, he will lead you. It's a relational being who wants to interact with you. And not even a relational being, a relational part of God who wants to interact with you. And so Jesus is saying this isn't something new, it's not something mystical, but a person. But it's the very presence of God with you. Look at verse 17 of John 14. He says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You got a Bible underline that. I mean, that is absolutely powerful. He will be in you. 
Don't think about that too much, but allow that to, to penetrate your very spirit, your very heart. The very presence of God will not only just dwell with you, but will be in you. In the whole Old Testament, you see the, the presence of God. The Israelites were led by a fire by night and a cloud by day. They saw the presence of God, but it was a little bit distant. The presence of God was in the tabernacle as they carried this tent throughout the wilderness and finally in the temple when they arrived in the promised land. But the presence of God was in a town, in a city, and they had to go there to experience the very presence of God. The presence of God is in one location. And here Jesus is saying there's a day that will be coming that that will not be the case. At the very presence of God, God's spirit will be in people who are followers of Jesus. I mean, that is absolutely mind-blowing. The very presence of God in us. He will not only dwell with you, but will be in you. And that's mind-blowing. And then I think, like, why did Jesus bring this up? Why did he share this? Why did he talk about the Holy Spirit? Why do we even need the Holy Spirit? Flip over to Acts chapter 1. These are the final words before Jesus ascends into heaven, and so he's risen from the dead, and he's interacting with his disciples, and we get to Acts 1, and he's about to ascend into heaven, and you know, you know that words you share shortly before you would ascend to heaven, you know, there's going to be some, some meaning to them, and you should pay attention to those words, and Jesus says to his disciples in verse 4, he says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus said the reason that you need to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit falls on you is because there is no way you can accomplish all that I have asked you to do without the power and the presence of God. Right. And here Jesus is saying you need power. You need the power that comes from me in order to accomplish my mission. We can't accomplish the mission of God without the power and the presence of Almighty God. And then look at what happened all the way through Acts. Acts 2 comes and the Holy Spirit comes on them as they're sitting in a room and it says, a sound of a mighty rushing wind entered the room and flames, you know, appeared on their heads and they started speaking in other languages and they declared the, the great works of God. And then it completely transformed these early believers. Peter, who denied Jesus to a little girl, denied knowing Jesus, and all of a sudden is filled with the Holy Spirit, stands in front of a group of people and tells them about Jesus Christ. Fast forward to Acts chapter 4. Peter there is standing in front of those very people who crucified Jesus Christ. And he's saying to them, you crucified Jesus. You killed him. Repent and believe. Here's Peter who once was timid, now filled with the Spirit, declaring the mighty works and the mighty the great works in the salvation of Jesus Christ. This Holy Spirit completely transformed individuals. Fast forward to Acts chapter 6. We're introduced to a man named Stephen who wasn't part of the 12, but he was a deacon who was full of the Holy Spirit. And it says that nobody could withstand the wisdom by which Stephen spoke because of the Spirit. Fast forward to Acts chapter 8. Philip, another early believer filled with the Spirit, is led by the Spirit to go to an Ethiopian who's sitting up on a chariot. 
And he runs over to the chariot and he shares the gospel. And the man's heart is transformed by the spirit and he believes in Jesus Christ. All the way throughout the book of Acts, you see time and time again, people are filled with the spirit and they're following the spirit and amazing things happen. The only reason that anything happened throughout the book of Acts was because the very spirit of God empowered them, led them, guided them. Here was a bunch of unschooled, ordinary people who turned the world upside down because the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead was in them. It's absolutely amazing. It's always blown me away, this part of scripture, is that God uses ordinary people. But it's not just that they're ordinary people. No, God fills them with his spirit and all of a sudden these people that aren't so special start to do special things because of the spirit's work inside of them. It's absolutely amazing. The thing that breaks my heart though is when we look at the church today in America and what has become of Christianity, a lot of what can be accomplished can be accomplished without the Spirit. That's true. See, we can have, you know, so much of what we've been invited to has been go to church, sit and listen to a message, maybe get into a little group, and, and then you're good. And that can happen without the Spirit's power. But when I look and see what Jesus invites us into to make disciples, to go and proclaim his goodness all around the world, I don't know about you, but I can't do that without the spirit of God at work in my life because I can't transform hearts. The only reason, the only way that we can do exactly what Jesus commanded us to do is through the power and the presence of the spirit at work in our lives. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where we're going to spend some time over the next couple of weeks. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about this very thing. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about spiritual gifts, and he says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. And I love that because Paul is already highlighting the difference between uh, idols and Almighty God. Here were these mute idols that didn't interact, and he's introducing them to a God and Savior in Jesus Christ who wants to interact, wants to communicate, wants to have a relationship. He says, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit. So he's saying the Spirit will never contradict Jesus. Never, the Spirit will never go against what Jesus has said. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the one who is at work in people's hearts, transforming their hearts, changing their lives, leading them into a relationship with Jesus, leading them into a greater dependency upon Jesus. But he says that's not all that the Spirit does. Look at verse 4. And he says, There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All throughout there, you see a bunch of different gifts. But the thing that you see over and over again is that the Spirit is the giver of those gifts. That the Spirit gives, that the Spirit leaves, that the Spirit empowers us to do the very things that Jesus told us to do. It's the Spirit that gives us all that we need to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. 
to push back the enemy's work. It's the spirit that it gives us, that leads us, that, that guides us to do the very things that Jesus wants us to be about. See, Jesus taught us, taught, to, you know, taught cast out demons, he healed the sick, and he empowered followers of Jesus to do the same thing. But it's not us who are doing it, but the same spirit that is at work in us. The cool thing is Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And he doesn't. He gives us the same spirit. He gives us his spirit to lead, to empower, to guide. And here's the craziest thing about the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the spirit aren't all of these things listed here, even though at some time those will manifest themselves. The gifts of the spirit is the spirit himself. The spirit himself that is in us right now. As followers of Jesus. And you might be wondering, why are we talking about this at Moran Park? You know, you might be thinking, well, we're, we're good. We're a, a spirit-led church. We see the spirit moving on different occasions. We're good. But one thing I know is there a tendency, there's a tendency to move away from the things of the spirit and to walk in the things of the flesh. To look at life and be like, I've seen this before, I've done this before, I know what to do in this situation. Instead of relying on the power and the presence of God that is in us through the power of the Spirit. And so as we go over the next couple weeks, as we go even into the summer, my heart, my prayer for all of us is that we would not only grow in in head knowledge of the Spirit, in fact just grow in a little bit of knowledge of the Spirit, but grow in a heart knowledge of the Spirit. To be a people who are completely dependent upon the Spirit in every aspect of our lives. To be people who are relying on the Spirit and led by the Spirit, following those promptings that He leads us to. The the promptings in our heart that He leads us to talk to individuals, to talk to people, to do different things. One of the things that blows me away about the book of Acts is they didn't just sit up in the upper room talking about the Holy Spirit, having a Bible study about the Holy Spirit. They actually listened to the Holy Spirit and obeyed the Holy Spirit. And we saw the world get transformed, turned upside down by these 120 people who were scared at first, but, in, but after a while were filled with the Spirit and all of a sudden moved in the power of the Spirit and the kingdom of God came crashing down to earth. And so Moran Park, we need to be people who are sensitive to the Spirit, not grieving the Holy Spirit, but following him every step of the way because the biggest purpose, one of the greatest purposes of the Holy Spirit is to testify to the greatness of Jesus. In John 16, Jesus says this simple word. He says, the Holy Spirit will bring glory to me. And that's what happened all the way through the book of Acts. It's not about a bunch of people, but it's about one person, the name of Jesus being lifted up over and over and over again because people were completely surrendered completely surrendered, completely abandoned to Jesus. And so years ago, after I had gone on this journey with the things of the Spirit and the prayer meeting with my wife's family, I went to the conference, I came home and kind of processed it a little bit. And one night, it was a Sunday night, we were living in a duplex on 18th Street here in Holland. And Cece had gone to bed because she had to get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning do her thing on the radio. And there I was, 11 o'clock at night, duplex on 18th Street, flipped on the TV, and there was a pastor who was talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, isn't this coincidence? And he talked, and I frankly don't even remember what he said. But I turned off the TV, I fell on my knees on the green carpet that was in the living room, and there I cried out to God, God, I want all of you. 
I, I want more of you. I want more of your presence in my life. I want more of your power in my life. And not even for those things. God, I just want more of you. At 25 years old, I was already having a crisis of faith because I'd come to this spot where I'm like, is this it? Is this all that Christianity is about? I got into the place where I'm like, God, I just want more of you. I want to see lives radically transformed by your spirit. I want to see those who are sick healed. I want to see those who are filled with demons delivered. I want to see the captive set free, not for my glory, but all for your glory. And I fell on my knees. I'm like, God, I just want more of your presence in my life. And it wasn't like all of a sudden the room started to shake. I wish it would have. That would have been kind of cool. But all of a sudden my heart there was a growing desire in my heart for the things of God. Scripture became more and more alive to me. And so this morning, I want to invite you to do the very thing that I did. Maybe it's falling on the brownish carpet that we have, I guess. But I want you, in your own way, to pray to God and say, God, I want more of you. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I've, I've walked with the Spirit for many years. What I found out is this is something that I need to do and we need to do over and over and over again. Because every day I need the spirit at work in my life. Maybe you're like, nah, that was a season of my life. That was something that I did way back when. Well, never in scripture do we see that it's supposed to be a season of your life. But you're supposed to be filled with the spirit on a regular basis. Maybe you're here and you're just like I was. And I was very skeptical to the things of the spirit. Because it just looked weird. But the thing is, that I want to invite you to, is ask the Lord, Lord, show me in Scripture where it's true. Don't just believe because I'm saying it. Believe because it's in here. And so I want to invite you right now, just to ask the Lord to fill you. Ask the Lord for his presence to overwhelm you. Just cry out, God, I want more of you. And what this means is that you're going to have to lose a little bit of control in your life. And that's the scariest thing. Because we in West Michigan love control. But you're going to have to lose a little control. And so even as you're doing this, I invite you just to open up your, your hands. Just say, God, I want more of you. Go ahead, let's pray together. we just cry out to you this morning and we don't even really know what to say or even probably even how to say it just say we want more of you in our lives god for my brothers and sisters in this room that have have walked with you for many years who have been filled with your spirit who have been sensitive to your spirit who have been led by your spirit i pray that they would experience and know more of you in their lives right now I pray that you would awaken in their hearts and rekindle in their hearts just a, a fresh desire, fresh love for you and the things of you. 
God, for those who at one time were, were following you, were, were filled with your spirit, who were being led by your spirit, who were, who were all about that, all about making your, your name known, but for some reason or another have drifted. God, I just ask that you would lovingly bring them back. I ask that you would encounter them with your grace and your mercy and you would show them that there's so much more that you have for their lives. God, I think that is absolutely amazing that you're always inviting us into more, inviting us into deeper relationship with you, inviting us into deeper things of your spirit to know you more. And God, for the person in this place who's skeptical, God, I love how you are just so gracious and tender and kind, would you just show them all that you have for them? Would you soften their heart? Would you speak lovingly into their ears? And would you invite them and woo them into so many more things that you have for their lives? And we, God, we want this not for our own sake, but for the world's sake, because the world is desperately in need of you, Jesus. And so make us a people who are completely sold out, completely surrendered to you so that your glory, Jesus, will be on display. Because we say, like the psalmist says, not to us be the glory, but to you and to you alone. Your name and your renown is the desire of our hearts. And so fill us with the Spirit. Show us how to walk continually in the Spirit, even in the craziness of life. All for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.